Welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. We're a weekly podcast that's released every Friday, and this is episode 66-0. At Horror Movie Podcast, you're going to hear in-depth horror movie reviews with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether to buy, rent, or avoid these movies. Tonight, we're doing things a little bit differently. This is Wolfman Josh, broadcasting from Medellin, Colombia. Regular listeners to the show will know that we had originally scheduled our Grizzly Zone discussion for tonight, or what I've been calling the Blood in the Air and Killer Bears episode. Your regular host, Jay of the Dead, had some scheduling issues tonight, and our mad doctors, Dr. Shock and Dr. Walking Dead, needed to take some time to work on their upcoming book releases, so I asked Jay if I might solo cast tonight and talk about something near and dear to my heart, the state of the modern werewolf. So, I'll be feature reviewing four modern werewolf films, and giving you some mini-reviews as well, and then giving you my own State of the Werewolf address, something like what Dr. Walking Dead did back on episode 56, when he and Jay reviewed Maggie, and then Kyle gave you his State of the Zombie address. Guys, I have mixed feelings about this because I love talking about werewolves, but there's nobody here to talk about them with. I'm personally, as a listener, not a huge fan of solo casting, and I'm not sure it's in my set of skills as a podcaster either, so please bear with me, and we'll make it through this. Apologies in advance if this episode is a little bit brief as well. I'm just not sure how this is going to go. But uh, we'll be back in the Grizzly Zone next week with Dave and Jay to talk killer bears with one of our favorite guests, Kill Bill Kill. Also, guys, even if you hate werewolves, before you stop the show, I want to put a call out. We were really happy with our At Your Mercy episode where each of the hosts picked a film to review from listener recommendations. Over the next two episodes, you'll have a chance to leave your picks in the comment section at horrormoviepodcast.com, and we will select one film for each of us to review from your recommendations. We had a lot of fun with this format before. You guys picked some great movies, and we want to do it again. So head over to horrormoviepodcast.com and tell us what you'd like to hear us talk about on that next At Your Mercy episode. Four of you will have your film pick selected. So, tonight I'm going to give you feature reviews of Late Phases from 2014, Were from 2014, as well as Wolf Cop from 2015, and finally Wolves from 2015. I'm also going to give you mini-reviews of Werewolf Rising from 2014, Werewolf, The Beast Among Us from 2012, and Red Riding Hood from 2011. Then, I'm going to touch briefly on the 2010 remake of The Wolfman, Felicia Day's Red, Werewolf Hunter, the TV series uh, Hemlock Grove on Netflix, and Teen Wolf on MTV, and we'll preview the upcoming, at least as of the time of this recording, unreleased art house werewolf movies Howl, which is scheduled for 2015 sometime, and When Animals Dream, which has played film festivals all over the world, but is as of yet not released in theaters, at least here in the U.S. We are also going to talk about the apparent grindhouse throwback, werewolf flick, Crying Wolf 3D. So, it's going to be crazy, and I think you guys are hopefully going to enjoy it. Now, Jay of the Dead has been promising a war review to one of our listeners for a very long time, so it's really unfortunate that Jay can't be here, but hopefully this will do it for you, or maybe Jay can give you a second opinion on a Beastly Freaks 
uh, episode sometime in the future. But up first, it's the 2014 film, Whirr. An American man and his young son were brutally killed last night. There is no factual evidence to indicate anything more than an animal attack. Yeah, at 14.52, we apprehended the suspect. The man accused of these crimes, one Talon Gwinnick. He had hair all over his hands. They were huge. He was tearing my boy to pieces. He's my client. I'm defending him. There's a very rare disease called porphyria. And the symptoms include excessive body hair, joint pain, muscle weakness. People that have this can barely move. It will prove that you were not capable of committing these crimes. Thank you. We need to stop this right now. Please. War is a 2014 film, or I guess it could be pronounced Were, which would make more sense because it's a werewolf movie. However, it is spelled were, which is super confusing, and the first strike against this movie that we from now on are going to be referring to as Where. The poster tells us that this is from the producers of Paranormal Activity and Insidious, but this is not a Blumhouse production. Uh, the producer in question is Steven Schneider, who is no slouch himself. He is the executive producer of all of the Paranormal Activities movies. He's also the producer of Insidious, he's the producer of Lords of Salem, The Bay, The Tall Man, and the upcoming Cooties, which I could not be more excited about. This is also directed by William Brent Bell, who people will know as the director of The Devil Inside, which is a film people were mixed on. It's one that I appreciated more than a lot of people I know. I just thought it brought at least something interesting to the table, and I will say the same for where it brings something interesting to the table in terms of an evolution of the werewolf genre. Um, in some ways, it follows a classical format ever since, you know, The Wolfman back in, was it 1941? I'm not sure if I have my date right there. Um, you know, that movie is about some killings that are taking place and the suspect being this guy who's not sure whether he's a werewolf or not. It's a similar kind of setup here, except for here, we have... A cold open featuring a family who's on vacation in France. Now, this is actually shot in Romania, but the film takes place in France. <clears throat> so this family is camping, and we've established the found footage format, and they're massacred. And um, the suspect is this strange, you know, kind of recluse farm guy who may or may not be handicapped, uh, named Talon, and he lives uh, with his mother on a farm, and he's the suspect in this murder, and when the wife, uh, the mother <clears throat> of this family is interviewed, she says that her family was eaten alive by this guy. And so he is on trial for murder, and um, in the original Wolfman 1941, the question, you know, is in our main character's mind whether or not he's the wolf, um, and there's this investigation taking place. This is very similar. This is an investigation taking place, but here, the story isn't told from the perspective of the potential werewolf, but rather from the perspective of the investigative side of things. And our main character, who is played by A.J. Cook, is... A defense attorney who's brought on to defend Talon, and in doing so, must kind of investigate his case and try to figure out if he's guilty and how she can mount a defense for him. 
and it's her and this defense team, and they interview Talon, and he is just really difficult to communicate with. He's very animalistic, very quiet, like a caged animal. And they eventually, uh, in interviewing the mother, find that he has a very rare disease. And so this movie is kind of exactly what I would expect from a modern werewolf movie, in that just like everything else post-Batman Begins, it's very self-serious, it's trying to be grounded in reality rather than than embracing the more fantastical elements of the characters, at least at first. And so we have this guy who, you know, has real actual uh, disorders, uh, biological things that are happening with his body that would explain away um, werewolf-like symptoms. And so we're trying to ground his werewolfism in real biology. Um, the film is also shot in this kind of faux documentary found footage type of way it's not totally successful in the way that it's done but there are some effective moments based on this style of shooting um, that i thought were really good one of those comes at the mother's house when the defense team goes there to interview her and investigate there are a lot of really surprising graphic violent bloody moments in this movie uh it's not really what i expected at all in fact this movie totally took me off guard it starts out looking pretty bad, pretty low budget, just poor production values, and I was not looking forward to watching this movie. Then it transitions with the introduction of A.J. Cook into this police procedural type of film, and it feels just like a interesting foreign, maybe like BBC production uh, detective show. And that goes on for a little while, and it's kind of this is here, isn't he film. And then, minor spoiler alert, uh, not a spoiler if you've seen the trailer, but eventually it does go hardcore werewolf movie, and it is really a splatter fest there for a while. It also has some pretty big action moments. There's machine guns and helicopters and smashing cars and things that I wouldn't have anticipated this movie would have to offer uh, based on just kind of that small independent foreign film vibe from the beginning of the movie. And unfortunately, as I mentioned in our Infected episode a few back, I'm not really a fan of that kind of military aspect coming into the film. Um, it just takes it to a place I'm not very interested in with the melding of action and horror. I kind of prefer the more gothic overtones as opposed to this more fast-paced stuff also. Um, with the werewolf transformation, the CGI is pretty obvious and um, not that great. Now, there are some cool ideas. Like, the transformation looks cool if it weren't so obviously computer-generated. And so that becomes a problem for me. A lot of the action in the film is very clearly computer-generated, and I just really do not respond to that at all. And so that was a disappointment. I was having a lot more fun with the film when it was this more detective movie cat and mouse thing where she's trying to uncover what's going on because there are all these other interesting layers to the story the local sheriff townspeople seem to have a vendetta against Talon and his mother, this family. Uh, you know, they, there's a conspiracy theory that they want this land so that they can uh, dump nuclear waste there. And there's all these other little elements going on in the story that I think are quite interesting. But I think it gets derailed in trying to 
be a little too big for its britches, I guess. I think it, it is very ambitious, and I don't think it totally pulls it off, but I also don't think it's as interesting as what they were doing before to me. You know, we can look to Underworld if we want to talk about action werewolf movies, and I just hate that entire aesthetic. Now, this is not that. This is more the smaller indie film than it is the big action horror crossover, but still, it's enough there that it bothers me. I just don't need any machine guns with my traditional gothic monsters. But that may appeal to some people, if that's your thing. This is a very modern-feeling horror movie. It feels like this whole last spade of Blumhouse Productions type of film. So I do think the film is well-made. I do think that for the type of movie they were trying to make, they did it well. It's not my favorite type of movie. Um, and so I, you know, that's where my criticisms come from. I think the actors are excellent. A.J. Cook, who most people would recognize from her role on Criminal Minds, is the lead, and she's very good. Uh, she's also in Virgin Suicides. People might recognize her from there. I recognize her from college. She attended the same university as uh, Jay of the Dead and I did, actually. Brian Scott O'Connor, who plays Talon, the werewolf in question, is incredible. As far as I can tell, this is his only screen credit. I don't know where they found this guy, but his physicality and look add so much to the film. And I think I would have just preferred if they'd stuck with that. You know, he was already so convincing as this monstrous-looking guy with the hair and the claw-like fingernails and just this amazing physicality. They're 50 or 75% of the way there already. I wish they just stuck with practical effects. I don't feel like they needed to do all of the CGI stuff. I think it was interesting. It was kind of writing that line of Jack Nicholson and Wolf, but really going even further with it. And and it's more convincing, I guess, for me, if they are trying to ground it in more realistic, plausible world. Simon Quarterman, who you'd recognize from The Devil Inside, is also in the cast. I thought he was really good. A lot of these guys are, are great. So um, it's a strong cast. It's well-directed. It's a decent script. Um, there's not much to complain about, and except for this just wasn't my style of movie. Also, um, the CGI brings it down quite a bit for me. And the finale, which I won't go into for reasons of spoilers, but I, it's my f- least favorite type of climactic scene and we see this a lot in like superhero movies monster movies this just isn't my kind of finale i you know i don't like this type of climactic scene i think it's lazy and lame and this one isn't particularly well done so i knock off points for it there as well but that is largely just a reflection of my personal bias just to be completely honest i do think most horror fans would enjoy this movie if you're not turned off by that kind of foreign film, indie film vibe. I think it is scary enough. I think it um, it goes really far with the gore. It is not a slow burn. It takes a little while to get to the horror, but things are happening um, all the time, and it eventually gets really intense, both in terms of the graphic violence and the action that's on screen. So I think there's a lot there. Um, I think Jay of the Dead would like this movie, and I'd be curious to hear him review it. On his Beastly Freak segment, we had at one point talked about doing this as part of a Monster Not a Monster episode, where we would look at a bunch of movie monsters that ride that line between you know a familiar monster, but also being something that's kind of undefinable. And I think this movie 
could also fall into that category because of the way the werewolf is approached. And I feel like this rides that line as well, but it has the look of so many just crappy CGI monsters, whether it's from I Am Legend or some of the scenes I didn't like in this year's film Spring. As with the action set pieces, I don't want to overstate this. This is a minor element of the film, and so I don't want to be too hard on it, but it is just a major pet peeve of mine. And seeing as this is one of my favorite movie monsters, it is sad for me to see those transformation scenes and other action scenes done that way when there's so much potential here and so much of the film is done well. It's just a big detractor for me, mostly just because I think it's unnecessary. I mean, I've said before, I'll say it again, there are aspects of this transformation that are really cool and pretty unique. I mean, obviously, you know, it's playing with the American Werewolf in London and, and a lot of the classics, but they just do something a little bit different, and it, and it looks awesome. And this may sound nitpicky, but a lot of a good werewolf movie depends on how the monster looks. That's your main feature, and the transformation is definitely a part of that. This gets the transformation right. But... I just there's something about the movement and the texture that turns me off. So that that was a problem for me. I still call it a rental. I give it a seven because I think they execute what they are trying to execute. But for me, it's not something that really appeals to me generally. If you've seen where or you end up seeing it, let me know what you think in the comments section at horrormoviepodcast.com. And also let me know how you pronounce the title of this movie. That's it for where. Up next is our feature review of Late Phases. None of the neighbors saw any sign of this assailant. It's just an animal attack. This has happened before. Attacks like these happen all the time. Please, stay in your house, keep the doors closed until we sort this out, okay? Seems like such a nice place to live. People don't come to places like this to live. They come here to die. Can you make silver bullets? Yeah. Can you do silver shotgun shells? Late Phases is a 2014 film that premiered at South by Southwest and hit theaters later that year. It's directed by Adrian Garcia Bogliano, who has directed quite a bit of stuff, actually. Lesser-known films like Cold Sweat or Rooms for Tourists, Scream of the Night, but most famously probably Here Comes the Devil in 2012, which is a film that we were pretty mixed on when we reviewed it on the show. I think Jay liked it even less than me, but it's one that's actually grown on me. I've thought about it a lot, and it's one I would not mind revisiting at all. He also directed B is for Bigfoot from ABCs of Death, which I think is probably my third favorite segment from ABCs of Death after Apocalypse and Dogfight. Um, So he's an interesting director and one to watch. He was born in Madrid, Spain, but I think he may actually be of Argentine descent because most of his movies take place in Buenos Aires. Late Phases, however, does not. Late Phases was written by Eric Stolls, who also wrote a movie directed by Stephen C. Miller uh, called Under the Bed, which I just stumbled across in my research here, but I am actually now dying to see. Just as a brief aside, the synopsis for Under the Bed Um, on IMDb says, two brothers team up to battle a creature under their bed. So, that sounds awesome. (laughs) 
I'm looking forward to checking that out. Um, but Eric Stoles wrote Late Phases, and it was also produced by Larry Fessenden, who makes a fun little cameo appearance in this movie. Late Phases stars Nick DeMisi, who people probably know best as the lead in Stakeland. He's a total badass in that movie. And this movie is pretty badass as well, but they've aged him by, what, 20, 30 years here. He plays an elderly gentleman who's retired, former... Um, Vietnam vet, and he moves to a retirement community uh, when his son can no longer take care of him. He's he's been blinded due to you know the action that he saw in Vietnam, and he is in a pretty bad mood for most of the film. Uh, when he moves in, he does not get along with the elderly Stepford wife types that live in his retirement community. He also starts attending church, and the pastor there is Tom Noonan. In an interesting role. I'm not sure exactly how to feel about it. I think Tom Noonan is a very talented actor, but he is a real weirdo, I think, sometimes, and I don't think his reading of this character helps uh, the film accomplish what it's trying to accomplish. We also have a role here from Lance Guest, who I think is a really interesting actor, but I think is miscast in this role, and I think he does not do well for the film, but Nick DeMisi completely carries this film on his back. It's almost enough to overcome all the film's shortcomings. He's so good as this blind, retired Vietnam vet. His son is played by Ethan Embry, who I absolutely love. Listeners to the show will know. He's one of my favorite underrated actors of his generation, so I was really pleased to see Ethan Embry and especially Nick DeMisi at the center of this film as... Father and Son, Ambrose and Will McKinley. So, this movie starts out with Will dropping his father off at this retirement community. And, you know, as I mentioned before, he kind of has to deal with the other people who live there, and he is not getting along well with these people. Well, his next-door neighbor, the only person he's made any kind of positive personal connection with, is attacked and slaughtered by a werewolf in her home. The werewolf also comes after Nick Demise's character, Ambrose, but he is saved when his seen eye dog attacks the wolf uh, long enough for Ambrose to get his pistol and get the wolf to cower and run away. You know, being blind, Ambrose doesn't know what exactly happened, but he starts to piece it together and surprisingly decides that this thing is a werewolf pretty quickly, um, seeing as werewolves don't exist in real life. But, you know, he, he comes to that conclusion pretty quickly on his own and starts planning and training to kick some serious werewolf butt in about one month's time because, you know, the attack happens on a full moon, so he has until the next full moon to prepare, to train. It's kind of like the whole movie has this Home Alone sequence and, you know, it's getting ready for the big night when the werewolf's going to come back. But the movie also has this awesome whodunit detective element, which you know I love. And it's really cool because, you know, I've talked about this a lot because I love detective movies. And I love when the detective character, or the person in the detective position, is someone unlikely. And you can't get more unlikely as a detective than a blind person. And so he has to, you know, work with his other senses and work extra hard to get to the bottom of who might be a killer in his midst. Which... If any of the other people who live in his retirement community are the werewolf, there's some really fun scenes that come out of this. And there, are, again, are a lot of interactions with Tom Noonan and Lance Guest, the Father Roger Smith, played by Tom Noonan, and James Grevithin, who work works at the church. And 
there's something off about those two characters, and not in a good way where it plays into the plot. I just feel like their performances are not right for this movie. And <clears throat> I do wonder if it's the language barrier for the director, seeing as English is not his first language. You sometimes see that with actors, like you know, like a Penelope Cruz, for instance, is a much finer actress when she's speaking Spanish than she is when she's speaking English. And I wonder if that language barrier kept... Um, Adrian Garcia Bogliano from getting the best performances he could out of his actors because <clears throat> I do think that Tom Noonan and Lance Guest are capable. I just really did not understand a lot of the blocking, a lot of the choices that they made as actors. It just was not working for me at all. The other big, big problem with this movie is the werewolf. This is one of the stupidest-looking werewolves I've ever seen on the screen, especially in a movie this good. There are a lot of really bad werewolf movies. Um, <clears throat> as we will talk about when we get to the state of the werewolf portion of the show, but um, for a movie that is so good, that could be so good, that, you know, again, the performance of Nick Demisi completely carries this film... In and of itself, it's almost enough for this movie to be considered a classic. The poster of this movie, as you, that you can see on HorrorMoviePodcast.com, is awesome. And there's this snarling wolf on the cover. Now I'm starting to wonder if that's actually Ambrose's seeing eye dog. But you want that kind of a wolf in your movie. You want something that fierce looking. And what we get is so embarrassing. It looks like a Teletubby with fluffy ears people still remember the Teletubbies? Is that dating me to even mention that that's a show? Um, it just, it looks really bad. It looks like a weird bunny rabbit. It looks kind of like a goofy Muppet version of the rabbit from Donnie Darko. It's really terrible. But the movie, other than that, is supreme. Um, I really, really, really enjoy this movie. Love the setup. I think it's a lot of fun. I think, um, the way it's plotted is really interesting and really fun. It's a really cool idea. But for me, a lot of it falls flat when you have these werewolves uh, that you're interacting with and they're not scaring you. And further, they're laughable. And it's just really unfortunate. And I wonder what it's like to be a Nick DeMacy or an Ethan Embry or even a Tom Noonan and being on a set like this and saying, you know what, we've taken a chance. We're going to work on this low-budget movie. You know, I, I can see that what we're doing here, we're doing good work. And so I'm confident this is going to be a good movie. And then to see, to come to set that first day and see what the monster team has created, oh, I would be I would be devastated if it were me. It would be heartbreaking. It's really unfortunate. I will, however, give the makeup team credit for the transformation scene, as I mentioned with Ware. Those are hard to pull off well, and I think these are done well in the sense that um, they are very good about hiding how low their budget clearly is, and so you can kind of see around the edges of it a little bit, but it's impressive. And they do a pretty difficult um, transformation here. They do the one that is becoming kind of trendy nowadays, with the, where you rip the skin off to reveal the werewolf. I think a lot of people, funnily enough, credit um, Hemlock Grove for this. Hemlock Grove was not even close to being the first show to do a transformation like this. Eli Roth did, however, add an interesting element where the wolf goes back and eats the skin, which is both disgusting and utilitarian. But uh, my earliest memory of this is actually... 
um, easy to recall because I remember the movie poster. It was from 1984's The Company of Wolves. That is one of those movie posters and really VHS covers that I just haunted me as a child. I just remember seeing that as a kid in the video store and just thinking it was both terrifying and totally awesome, being already at that young age a little werewolf nut. Um... That was the first time I remember seeing it. A few years later, there was a television series called Werewolf that I loved, and one of the wolves, the uh, older one, uh, did that type of transformation as well. But yeah, you have to give it up for the Company of Wolves. You know, I think at the time they were probably trying to outdo American Werewolf in London, which was at the time and probably is still the best werewolf transformation ever put to film. Um, But the Company of Wolves is directed by Neil Jordan of interview with a vampire fame so he's been doing good horror for a while now and pushing it to the next level i i really appreciate him as a underrated filmmaker of course we've seen the ripping off the skin to reveal the werewolf more recently and stuff like trick or treat for instance but uh yeah that's that's the werewolf transformation we get here in late phases it's done well but again um, it's not enough to make up for some of the other film shortcomings. I think my other problem with this is I just wanted this to be it. It's, it's my love for Stakeland and Nick Demisi. I wanted this to be the werewolf version of Stakeland. I wanted this to be for werewolves what Stakeland is to vampires, and it's just not that at all by a long shot. But it's still a lot of fun. Um, so the, the plot is pretty thin in this movie, but it's enough for me to keep my interest. I thought it was really fun, um, and I, I'd almost like to see a remake of this, like a bigger budget remake of this, because I think it could be a really good movie. I think we're just coming up short of having one of our best modern werewolf films. As it is, though, it has a lot of problems for me. I still like it better than Where, but I'm not sure it's a better movie than Where. I'm going to give it the same score, though. I'm going to call it a 7. For me, this is a a rental recommendation, but honestly, I will probably buy this movie because it's just one of those that I'm so interested in the world. I'm so interested just to see the the behind-the-scenes or listen to a director commentary. I want to know more about it. I kind of love the whole setup and setting of this film. It's just unfortunate some of the execution fell flat. That was Late Phases. Uh, High score, but somehow still disappointing (laughs) in the review. Let's get a little bit of energy back in the room. Now is the moment that listener David from Scarborough, England, has been waiting on for months now. Sure to be a big disappointment. It's my feature review of Wolf Cop. Do you think I'm myself when I'm a wolf? (laughs) You did seem like freakishly strong. You had those claws and those teeth. Plus, you know, you were drunk, so I knew it was you. Hello? Hello? My. What big teeth you have. That's not all. is a 2015 film directed by Lowell Dean. It's a Canadian film that had a limited theatrical release in Canada in 2014 before playing film festivals all over the world and then eventually getting direct-to-Blu-ray DVD releases in many places, including the United States, in 2015. 
Uh, Wolf Cop is about a police officer who is an alcoholic and total misfit named Lou Guru. And he is basically a lazy, good-for-nothing who sits around at the bar all day drinking until he is forced to finally do his job and investigate some reports of the occult happening in the woods uh, outside their small town. Um, his police chief sends him out there to investigate a couple times. Eventually he does. And when he does, he does in fact find a cult, uh, seemingly in the middle of some sort of sacrificial act. They capture him, carve a pentagram on his stomach, and he wakes up. Uh, that day, he still goes about his normal activities, going to the bar, getting drunk, but he is noticing that his senses are heightened, kind of like, again, Wolf uh, with Jack Nicholson. He starts uh, doing his job better. He's, he's able to use some of these uh, wolf-like characteristics to um, actually be effective in his job, and everyone notices the... The ladies at the bar notice, uh, his boss notices, his his partner notices. Well, he eventually goes through a much bigger transformation. Again, we have one of these werewolf transformations where the outer skin is ripped off, uh, revealing the wolf underneath. It's done very gruesomely and very effectively. Um, this is also a horror comedy, if you couldn't tell, by the way. <clears throat> and there's actually a pretty funny scene that, again, is gruesome, involving um, his face being found at the scene of a crime. Um, due to it ripping off during Werewolf Transformation. But to tell you all you need to know about Wolf Cop, I will just tell you about the first Werewolf Transformation. Lou Guru is in a public restroom at the bar at a urinal when he begins his first Werewolf Transformation, and the very first shot we see of a Werewolf Transformation is his penis, which the skin gets completely ripped off, and a giant hairy penis takes its place. Um... That, that should tell you pretty much what the tone of this movie is. It's totally insane. It's totally ridiculous. It gets more and more ridiculous as it goes. Something kind of like the movie Grabbers. If you guys remember when we reviewed that. Which I actually kind of like. Just a B-monster movie. There's an element to that film where the more they drink, the more effective they become. Which uh, makes for a lot of good comedy. There's something similar in this film. The more he drinks... It, the more effective he becomes as a wolf cop. And, yeah, he, like Teen Wolf, he kind of retains his human characteristics. He is a little more fierce, a little more uh, wolf-like. And his both in his demeanor and his look, he kind of looks more, more like a classic wolfman type of werewolf than any of the monsters we've discussed so far on the show. So that's the basic setup, and there's a little bit more to it, but I kind of wish there wasn't, because things get a lot crazier. And the wolf cop eventually finds himself embroiled in kind of a conspiracy that's going on in the town that involves both the hierarchy of the local government as well as the occult. Uh, that element is the worst, and as much as I can even get behind some of these kind of wolf cop mobile moments that seem very much inspired by Teen Wolf. Um, I don't care for this other occult element that's happening in the film. It's just uh, terrible. Um, you know, it's meant to be terrible. So you, you have to give it a little bit of leeway there. This is one of those intentional grindhouse throwback kind of films. Although, you know, a lot of those grindhouse films... While inspired by 60s and 70s films, this one seems more inspired by 80s films. 
again, Teen Wolf in particular, but a lot of other stuff. And it's just a totally ridiculous kind of romp you might get if Troma was given a medium-sized low-budget rather than a micro-sized no-budget. Or if the Broken Lizard guys did a horror movie. Actually, they did do a horror movie. They did Club Dread. So this is kind of like Club Dread. Although Club Dread is probably better. In fact, the movie I'd most closely compare this to is Feast. It feels to me kind of like that first Feast movie where it's just totally confident in its absurdity and its terribleness. It's intentionally schlocky. It's intentionally offensive. It's intentionally bad at telling jokes you know it kind of reminds me of arrested development in a way where they're just telling a lot of really lame jokes and that's kind of the joke that it's kind of an anti-comedy and that's definitely going on here as well but i think there's one big standout for me amongst the cast and the cast is pretty decent um you've got leo fafard as wolf cop slash lou guru You've got uh, Amy Matisio as Tina, who's kind of like sidekick, the younger partner type of cop. You've got Aiden Devine as the police chief. But for me, the big standout amongst the cast is Jonathan Cherry as Wiley Wiggins. He's been in a couple of horror movies, one of the Final Destination movies, I think. Um, He was in uh, Goon, the... Sean William Scott hockey comedy, which I have not seen, and he's scheduled to be in the sequel to that, Goon, Last of the Enforcers, um, as well. He was also in Uwe Boll's House of the Dead, so um, I don't know how well he was used in that, but he is brilliant in this movie. He's so funny. He kind of reminds me of the first time I saw Jason Lee and how refreshing and uh, interesting he was when I saw Mallrats for the first time. I, I love Jason Lee, and Jonathan Cherry's kind of a young Jason Lee, or Jason Lee back in his heyday. Really, really funny. Really breathes some fresh air into this movie. And one of the few comedic elements that's actually funny, instead of laughing at how bad it is. Which, you know, again, is intentional. It's supposed to be a so-bad-it's-good type of film. And it is. So if you like that kind of thing, a lot of people do. This was a very popular film. In fact, there's a sequel to Wolf Cop already planned as well. Wolf Cop 2 is already listed on IMDb, and according to Lowell Dean's IMDb, it is already filming, so we can look forward to probably a long franchise of these Wolf Cop movies, um, and you'll have wanted to check out the first one. I'm going to go ahead and call this a low-priority rental. I believe it's streaming on Netflix. It's easy to see. If you like schlock, like I do you'll be able to sit through this and enjoy yourself. I wouldn't pay to see this movie unless you're a big fan of horror comedy. And really, you have to be a fan of the so-bad-it's-good variety. But if you like that stuff, you'll have a good time with Wolf Cop. I cannot give this a rating of more than five, and I almost feel like that's generous. But I'll go ahead and leave it there. As bad as the werewolf looks, and as much as I didn't need the penis shot, I do think that the transformation scene was very well done, and I do think that the werewolf, while not wonderful, at least looks like a wolf man, which is what I personally want out of a werewolf movie. So I, I liked this look okay. Again, you know, it's it's bad, and it's meant to be bad. It's meant to be ridiculous and goofy and silly, and it is all of those things, but it still looks kind of cool as well. I'd say this is a cult film waiting to happen, but it's already happened. Wolf Cop is a phenomenon. Something like a phenomenon. 
and that is Wolf Cop, which will be a hard act to follow, but the next film would not fare well as the second half of any double feature, unfortunately. It is 2015's Wolves. And how do you find our little town? Strange. Like it's got secrets. We've been here a long time. Wolves of the eastern coast. Those guys up there are wolves all the time. He'll butcher anybody that stands in his way. You think I'm afraid of dying? It's not the dying, John. It's what comes first. Hey, he'll kill you. Maybe I'll take him with me. Okay then, boys. Let's show them what we really are. They were all wolves. Wolves is a 2015 film. It is the directorial debut of David Hayter, um, who is a screenwriter that's written a few films you may have heard of. X-Men, Scorpion King, X-Men 2, Watchmen. And he will be writing the upcoming Black Widow movie uh, for the Avengers Marvel Comics universe. Why he chose this as his directorial debut, I have no idea but I'm excited about it, and maybe it means that there's a guy with this much power in Hollywood that is now going to be making some cool monster movies. Um, Unfortunately, this one's not great. But it's also not bad for a directorial debut, and for a conversation like this, I think Wolves is absolutely worth having the discussion about. Wolves is about a young man who becomes a werewolf as a teen. He finds out he was adopted, accidentally hurts a few people, and thinks he may have accidentally killed his adoptive parents. So he goes on the run where he runs into another wily werewolf uh, that lets him know, hey, you're not alone, and in fact, there's a whole town of us called Lupine Ridge. You should go there and find out who you really are. So the guy travels to this town. By the way, his name is Caden. He is played by Lucas Till, who is, um, he's had some small parts in movies like Stoker and Walk the Line, but he plays Havoc in the new X-Men movies, the Days of Future Past, First Class timeline. But as Caden in Wolves, he's this young, confused guy who just wants to understand who he is and where he comes from and why this all-consuming rage has taken over him. So Caden heads to Lupine Ridge where he tries to find out who he really is. He goes into the local bar where he instantly falls in love with this young girl named Angel, who's also the bar owner, and runs into some trouble with the locals who are uh, at the bar led by Jason Momoa, who plays the savage Connor in this film. Most people will recognize him as Conan from the 2011 remake of Conan the Barbarian. He's also on Game of Thrones. He was on the television show Stargate Atlantis, and he will be playing Aquaman in the new upcoming Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, Justice League Part 1, and the Aquaman movie. So I'm a little bit excited about that because he is a Polynesian. I'm a little less excited because he is not a good actor. And that's one of the problems with this movie. I think Lucas Till, although he is really strong as an actor, he just does not have an interesting look. He's so forgettable and bland. And then on the other hand, you have Jason Momoa, who has an amazing look. It looks really cool, but on the other hand, he is just no good as an actor. 
there's some decent supporting cast here, most notably Stephen McCaddy, who's an amazing in the movie. He's just getting a little bit too old for the character he's playing, unfortunately. That's the biggest downside of him, but he's great in the movie, as he always is. And it was fun to see him there. But basically, what we find out is that Caden is one of the last of a pure werewolf bloodline. On one half, he has his mother, who was born a werewolf, but on the other half, he has his father, who was a bitten werewolf. And bitten werewolves cannot give birth on their own to another werewolf. And they're also a little more feral, a little more wild. And so what we find is that there's kind of a Hatfields versus the McCoys thing going on in this small town between the bitten werewolves and the purebreds. And Caden finds himself right in the midst of it. And he has to go up against Connor, played by Jason Momoa again, who is kind of the leader of the bitten werewolves and so there are a few epic battles despite this being a relatively small film it's really nice to look at the makeup effects are really the main thing this has going for it the werewolf creature design is so cool it's a wolfman but it just looks sleek and badass i absolutely love it it's a little bit cheesy when you have you know the good werewolf versus the bad werewolf and the good werewolf has a little bit of like a teddy bear aspect to him you know you're supposed to be able to see that he's good inside and that's slightly annoying he looks a little too koala bear puffy for me but for the most part these are just great looking wolfman style werewolves some of my favorite that i've ever seen actually and um it's a shame that they're wasted on this kind of mediocre movie really i like the whole setup for this film but just it gets into such a boring drama and i did read a few reviews on this that i thought were apt so i'm going to share them which i don't normally do but rex reed who i actually hate as a human being <laughs> who writes for the New York Observer, had a really funny line. He said, I'm through with silly lovesick vampires. Bring on the werewolves. And that's pretty much it. Also, uh, Jordan Hoffman from the New York Daily News, he liked the movie, uh, but he refers to it as kind of a Twilight meets Sons of Anarchy. And that's also not far off. So... I'm not sure that horror fans are going to love this. If you do like werewolves, I think you'll be intrigued. I think it's worth a watch just to see kind of the cool werewolf makeup. And, you know, there are some kind of scarier um, battle type of moments, but it's more of a drama thriller than anything else. It just happens to feature some pretty rough-and-tumble werewolves. And I just wish it was a little bit bigger. I wish we got a sense of the town a little bit more. It just feels a little flat, a little bland, but I would say it's still worth a watch. I am going to give this movie a six and call it a rental. I don't think werewolf fans could be disappointed with it. I do think horror fans could be disappointed with it. So, you know, tread lightly, but it is fun to see a werewolf movie on this scale. Still low budget by Hollywood terms, but $18 million reported for the budget. That's pretty huge for a horror movie, especially one with furry creatures in it. So... It's kind of fun to see that. It still feels a lot smaller than that. I would not be surprised. Other than the makeup effects, which look expensive. They look legit. Other than the makeup effects, I would say you could probably shoot the rest of this movie for about a million dollars. So I am curious where the $17 million went. Probably into the director's pocket and Jason Momoa's pocket, mostly. But this is not bad for a directorial debut, and again, congratulations to the makeup department, particularly 
Michael Broom, who was the creature designer. I, uh, he obviously has worked on some amazing stuff. He did conceptual illustration for Cabin in the Woods. He was the creature designer for the Thing remake. He worked on Predators as a creature designer for KMB FX. Worked as a conceptual designer on The Crazies and on and on and on. So he's done some excellent work in the past, but uh, this is really, really a good job here with these werewolves. And again, I will give credit to cinematographer Gavin Smith. I think it looks really nice. It's it's nice to look at. But ultimately, this is a drama about this family struggle, and it's kind of a love story, and eh, it's just a little weak on the horror elements. But guys, we've made it through. I know on your end it's been relatively short, but on my end it's actually been pretty brutal. This has been drug out over a day and a half, and during the time of this recording... There has been a forest fire behind my house here in Medellin, Colombia. The mountain uh, behind us was lit on fire by a hiker who uh, probably just dropped a cigarette, but the entire mountain burned down. We thought we were going to maybe have to evacuate the premises. Um, Then, at one point during the recording, um, some police were searching the building for a drug dealer that happened while I was recording this and also I had to watch my kids which is normal but a little noisy in the background so I apologize for all this Um, but frankly I think we're lucky to have an episode at all and as I was telling Jason uh, earlier tonight in the text some episode is better than no episode right so I hope you guys appreciated this um just for the mini-reviews, I'm not going to go into too much detail, just because we're running short on time to get this posted. Let me just say, I'm very much looking forward to Crying Wolf 3D. I think that looks extremely interesting. It's kind of a grindhouse throwback werewolf movie, scheduled for 2015 Howl um, as well. And more than any of these, When Animals Dream, I am very, very curious and interested in this film. I was actually going to do a top ten werewolf movie list for this episode, but I decided against it because I was so greatly anticipating When Animals Dream, I don't want to have to immediately change my list. So upon the release of that film, When Animals Dream, I will include it in one of our Frankensteinian episodes on the show, and in that same episode, give you my top ten werewolf movie list I can come up with 10 good ones. Um, Red Werewolf Hunter from 2010. It's fine if you don't mind watching like a bad sci-fi channel movie. This one has Felicia Day, so that's a step up from the usual. And it's pretty fun. The CGI werewolf transformation I could do without, but I'm probably not going to rate this more than a 4.5, but I'll go ahead and call it a very low priority stream. But again... You know, for guys like me, worth checking out. 2010's The Wolfman. I am going to save this one for a versus episode where we will compare it to the 1941 film. But just, you know, I, I did like things about this movie. I wasn't as low on it as a lot of people because I love werewolves. But I actually think there are some pretty awesome moments in this movie. There's also a lot of terrible things in this movie. And I cannot wait to discuss this one more in depth with the guys. 2011's Red Riding Hood. This one stars Amanda Seyfried and is directed by Catherine Hardwick, the director of the first Twilight movie. That's actually pretty interesting. You know, it's just a new take on the Red Riding Hood 
uh, story, and the whole movie takes place in kind of a fairy tale landscape. I don't watch any of these fairy tale TV shows that are so popular now, or at least were popular in the last few years. Um, but I imagine this is what they're like. It's all very theatrically presented in terms of the sets, but you know, some good actors in this one, and it's a lot of fun. I'm going to give this one a five and say rental. 2012's Werewolf the Beast Among Us. I just caught this one on Netflix. It's also not terrible. It's a period piece. It's very similar to Red Riding Hood in time in terms of the look and feel of the film. It's basically about this group of werewolf hunters trying to figure out who is, you know, the killer in this small town, and it's got a lot of the same themes as some of the films we've talked about, but I thought it was a lot of fun. I would give this one a 5.5 and say, stream it. So that's it for the mini-reviews. I'm sorry, that was a little lackluster. That's all the strength I could muster tonight. I'm getting pretty sleepy, and it's it's time to get this episode posted. But before we go, I do want to leave you with my thoughts about the state of the werewolf. for my ratings how I feel about werewolf movies these days. They're all in that area that I think is watchable, but that a lot of general horror fans probably wouldn't think is watchable. Many of these that we've talked about aren't strictly horror films. They're kind of like Dracula Untold. They have kind of a werewolf element, but they're ultimately not that scary. Um, I don't love the modern style of werewolf movies like Where, and so there's not a lot that I'm finding out there that's very interesting or that's really appealing to me. And honestly, that's always been the case with werewolf movies. I don't think there's ever been a really great run of werewolf films. We've had a few bright spots over time. And... it's interesting. I don't know why that is, because I think, honestly, I think the werewolf is one of my favorite monsters. He has a lot in common with the Incredible Hulk, um, which I think is also very interesting. And, you know, it's funny, it's easy to compare when you look at that 1987, I think, werewolf television show. It's very much patterned after the Incredible Hulk television show. Um, You can really see the comparisons, but they are very similar monsters. And, you know, growing up on Teen Wolf, as I did, that was probably my major werewolf influence as a kid. I love the idea that he wolfs out when he loses his temper, and um, that is something that has always been an interesting theme to me, this idea of the beast within us that gets unleashed, and, and how do we control that, and can we control that? And, you know, the films we've talked about tonight don't really have that element as much. They've been more about pentagrams and cults and and the full moon, but I've always been fascinated with the possibilities of this monster. And so what I'd like to see is someone take a cool mythology like the one we see in Wolves. And, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think the Twilight movies have the coolest werewolf mythology around. 
Um, I think the execution is the absolute pits, but I, I do like the background mythology for these werewolves. I wish we could take something like that and then add some more interesting thematic material and really deal with the character at the heart of the werewolf. I mean, I think the 1941 film has a lot of problems, but at least their focus is in the right place. They're trying to understand Larry Talbot and his character and the struggle that he's going through and the pain that he feels and the, and the confusion he has about his own actions and that's something that I think the werewolf narrative has so much potential to explore that we're not really seeing much of these days. I mean I think Teen Wolf the MTV show is actually not as bad as um, you would think. I, I don't think it's good, and I and I think it's unfortunate that I think it, its uh, success is kind of based in the same audience as the Twilight films, and was probably only greenlit because of the Twilight films. But I do think um, it works, and you know, even though it's not the Teen Wolf that I know and love, the Teen Wolf I know and love is pretty stupid too. And so I think that at least this is giving young people a an access point to horror stories and horror monsters. And I'm not as worried about the watering down of the genre, particularly with werewolf movies, because there just aren't a lot of good ones. So any way we can get people in, any gateway drug to talking about... Um, horror which i think you know is at the heart of the human experience and and are just a really great vehicle for discussing some of the more difficult topics in life um i'm i'm okay with and so i think there's a lot of opportunity out there you know we're at kind of a golden age for <clears throat> horror right now in terms of both independent film and television there's so many opportunities right now and I would just love to see someone make that film I hope to see when I when I watch Late Phases which was you know the Stakeland version of a werewolf movie and I just I think it's possible to do it I think we just need a filmmaker who's thinking a little bit deeper about the monster and not thinking just so much about um the external aspects of it. You know, I think where gets close, and I think it's interesting. That takes the other approach, which I think could be interesting to take with a werewolf movie, which is almost something like American Psycho. And again, look at like this dark side of the human condition and 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 make a film that's like an American Psycho but with a werewolf. And I think that could be really interesting. And I think where explores that a tiny bit, but I don't think these films are focused enough to really get at the heart of the matter. And, you know, they tend to deal with either this external mystery element, listen with where, or, you know, we've got Wolf Cop, and, and yeah, that deals with the depraved human side of that character and, and, you know, the beast of this guy is, but it's done in such a stupid way. Or we've got late phases that they touch on some of these elements with the religious aspects, but they never really get into the meat of these themes. And lastly, with wolves, which, again, I think the mythology is cool, the makeup's cool, but it doesn't even... And, you know, and that movie spends a lot of time on the drama, but it's just... It's boring because it's invented drama. Like, there's nothing you can really relate to or really care about. You know, it's it's got the story that's there, but it's like, why am I invested in the struggle between the turned werewolves and the purebreds? It just... There's no interest in that for me. It might as well be Underworld. And so I think um, we're at a really 
interesting place for wealth movies because I think we're at a place where there's a lot of opportunity. Clearly, there's some interest. I don't know why. I don't know why people keep making werewolf movies. I think we're seeing a pretty large influx of them right now, which is surprising to me considering the failure, uh, both box office, but also just in making a decent film. I don't know why people are still continuing to make these movies um, and then make them with all of these same problems but it's happening, and so what I'm saying is I see the opportunity, um, but I also see a dearth in <clears throat> quality films, and frankly, that's been the same for most of cinematic history. There just have not been a lot of great werewolf movies. I do want to talk about the ones I love, <clears throat> and that will be coming up again on a future episode of Horror Movie Podcast, but I hope this has been interesting, and I would like you guys to share your opinions. I know that this has uh, not been as in-depth as you may have hoped. It hasn't been in depth, as in-depth as I had hoped either. Um, it's difficult for me with the solo casting to kind of get a step deeper that I would get when I'm here learning from Jason and Dave and Kyle and from our discussion. And so, please, let's continue this discussion over on HorrorMoviePodcast.com. Let me know what modern werewolf movies interest you. Let me know what you think of the films that I reviewed and, and what I had to say. And, and tell me what you think the state of the werewolf is at present time. So that is the end of my State of the Werewolf episode. Please join us next week when we'll be talking killer bears in our Grizzly Zone episode. The rest of the guys will be here. Also, I have a plug here for Jason. Jay the Dead says that the Horror Movie Podcast t-shirt orders are underway. They should be ready to mail out in about three weeks, so around the third week of July. This week he plans to post the two designs on the website, so you can make sure you, you want to order one or both shirts. You'll be able to see what they look like. Jay says they incorporate the new look of the logo and header found on the website at horrormoviepodcast.com. Just as the shirts will cost $15 each, and that price already includes shipping, and if you want both shirts, Jay's going to do a two shirts for $25 deal. Now, Jay says it will cost more for international buyers due to the extra shipping costs. Sorry, David, and the rest of you overseas. And the 2XL and 3XL shirts will also cost a little bit more, but he'll get you the pricing on those. You'll be able to place your order securely through PayPal, so it's going to be great. You can get these horror movie podcast designs that Jay's come up with. So please keep an eye on our website next week, and Jay will be posting updates and instructions for how to order your own horror movie podcast t-shirts. Remember to also leave your suggestions for films you'd like us to review on our next listener pick at Your Mercy episode. Remember to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, like Horror Movie Podcast on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Horror Movie Cast. I am specifically on Twitter at Icarus Arts, which is the name of my production company. If you can stand these solo casts, maybe check out Movie Streamcast at moviestreamcast.com, which is my podcast where I review streaming content, not always horror movies, but occasionally horror movies. Thanks so much for listening to me ramble on about werewolves. I, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I don't blame you if you didn't, but I wanted to do this, and Jay wanted to let me do this because we wanted to get some new content out to you guys, even though everybody else couldn't make it. I hope it was worth all of our time. We are dead serious about horror movies. Join us next week 
for another episode and a far better episode on Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. Horror movies.